Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hello, hello. Welcome, everybody, to the show. Delighted to say that I'm joined by Nigel Rio Coca uh, to discuss the Ballon d'Or Awards. Karen Benzema winning big, as expected. So join us right now. Hey, everybody. Nigel, how are you doing, my friend? Great to be with you. Uh, love the fact that you've put on a, a shirt to be discussing the, uh, the most important and prestigious individual award in football. I had to make a little bit more of an effort, JJ. Come on, it's the Ballon d'Or. Let's just see. Let's get into the politics of football, as we can see. Can't wait to get into this discussion. How are you doing, my friend? Yeah, doing very well. Thanks. Well, as we all know, the cat is now officially out of the bag. Karim Benzema voted men's Ballon d'Or winner of 2022. Uh, we've got Alexia Putellas, who defended her title in the Women's Awards. And you've got uh, another few awards handed out as well to the likes of Thibaut Courtois. But no other place to start other than Karim Benzema winning the Best Men's Player Award. Nigel, was, was there really any other candidate for this award at any time? JJ, in my personal opinion, and I'd like the fans to feel free to send in their comments and uh, let us know what they think, whether they agree or disagree. But for me, I think that Benzema deservedly won it, but it was very close for me with Mane up there, I felt. Because I felt Mane had a great season with Liverpool, also did fantastic at international level as well with, with Senegal. And my thing is, I felt that if Liverpool had won that Champions League against Real Madrid, it would be hard to deny Mane that. But again, it's all about form at the right time. And Benzema hit form at the right time with the run of the Champions League. Even Real Madrid fans would say that that Real Madrid squad they didn't believe was good enough to win the Champions League. But they won the Champions League. They won La Liga. And Real Madrid was basically one of the main talisman that really took that team all the way to victory. Yeah, I mean, let's just recap some of those numbers quickly. 15 Champions League goals and two assists from 12 matches and an astonishing 10 of those were knockout phase goals en route to the title. I think it was always going to be uh, a strong case for Benzema after that, but also you've got the 27 goals and 12 assists in 31 La Liga outings as well, plus the fact that he scored uh, while France were winning the UEFA Nations League triumph as well. So I think it was always going to take something special to, to follow on from Lionel Messi winning that historic seventh Ballon d'Or title. But it really feels like, like you said, you know, without Liverpool winning that Champions League to give Mane, you know, sort of the the, the momentum that he needed to, to rival uh, Benzema properly for this award, it always felt like it was going to be going to Madrid uh, and to, to carry him the dream. Well, he wasn't the only Real Madrid man celebrating uh, success in Paris tonight. You've also got Thibaut Courtois, the 30-year-old, one of the main uh, sort of support actors, if you will, for Benzema as Real went on that spree at the end of last season, won the Champions League. La Liga also picked up the for Super Cup and the Spanish Supercopa as well. 
justified, Nigel? Or do you think there was any other potential rival to, to Courtois for winning that? Because at the end of the day, you know, I think his role was quite unsung, particularly in that final as well, where he made one absolutely crucial save to keep Liverpool out. Yeah, I think it was definitely justified. And again, that's the, probably the main thing for me. Um, again, I'll go back to the team that Real Madrid had, the squad that they had last year to win that Champions League. For me, you just wouldn't think it was good enough. You know, you look at other teams at, at the time, in the likes of Liverpool and Manchester City, all those big clubs that they had better squads and were more better equipped to win it. And Courtois was a vital piece of that. You know, without the real kind of solid, strong defence that we're used to seeing from Real Madrid and, and the characters and all that, he really played some vital saves. And I felt for me, it's hard to argue not to say that he probably is the best goalkeeper in world football currently on this form. But again, very closely followed by Alisson at Liverpool because he has really come good. Very shaky at the start when he came to Liverpool. But now when you look at Alisson's forms and the saves that he makes and also now international level, what he's doing at Brazil, it's very, very close. But you'd have to say again, Courtois gets the edge with winning the Champions League, pulling out some vital saves along the run to get them to the final. Were you always this much of a fan of Courtois or was there a moment where you maybe doubted him a little bit? I think there was a little bit of doubt in the Premier League. You know, he came again with a, a big reputation and didn't really quite live up to it. And again, it goes to show how important it is for players to feel comfortable and feel at home. Since he's gone to Real Madrid again, he didn't start so well there. You know, he had a bit of shaky um, performances when he first got to Real Madrid and a few questions were raised. But now he's made it his home and he seems very, very comfortable there. And you, it's, it's hard to argue that he probably isn't one of the best goalkeepers in world football right now. Really, it's hard to argue. Now, sticking with Real Madrid, because despite Real looking good to win this award, and I'm talking about the best club award, it was actually Premier League champions Manchester City who took that gong in the end. Pep Guardiola's man, obviously, you know, it was a dominant title success in the Premier League, but they did lose to Real in the Champions League. Uh, and then you have City's women uh, picking up the League Cup. Now, we were debating a little bit before coming on air, mainly about the merit of this kind of award. Uh, you know, does does this sort of cheapen the the whole Ballon d'Or experience for you seeing this sort of thing handed out? Because it's very difficult. I mean, it's difficult for us uh, before going on air. It'll be difficult for us now, you know, trying to justify a club like City finishing ahead of Real, given everything that was uh, was won by Real at the end of the season. Well, JJ, it looks like we're getting into the political side of uh, the Ballon d'Or and what comes with it. For me, it makes no sense. My opinion is it absolutely makes no sense. And I'm British. Don't get me wrong. I love the Premier League. I love what we see in the Premier League. But how does Man City win that award when they don't win the Champions League and you have Real Madrid doing the double, winning La Liga and winning the Champions League with a lesser squad, a lesser spent uh, budget, so to speak, than what Manchester City spent and yet you give the award to Manchester City. That makes no sense for me. I think that's the whole politicking element of this campaign and this competition that is really starting to become a bit of a turnoff. And it's hard for me to say that, you know, Real Madrid should win it, but they do deserve to win it because of what they've done, the domestic double in the Champions League. Not that I'm a big fan of the Real Madrid president because I feel he has too much of an influence as well overall in the voting for the Ballon d'Or and putting out statements in the press, who should win it. I don't feel that any club president, chief executive, any of them should say anything to the press or the media in who should win it. 
Yeah, well, uh, you you seem to have a bee in your bonnet. I love this. So uh, I'm going to get you on to another controversial topic before we get to Alexia Putellas, uh, you know, picking up her second consecutive uh, female Ballon d'Or. This time you've got another Barca winner picking up uh, the Copper Trophy. So you've got Gavi following on from Pedri as the brightest young talent in the soccer world at this moment in time. Now you've got Borussia Dortmund's Jude Bellingham dropping from second last year to fourth this year. Does this further underline sort of the the nonsensical aspect of some of these Ballon d'Or awards uh, to you, Nigel? Yeah, I think it makes no sense to me. I think you look at what Jude Bellingham's doing for England and also for Borussia Dortmund, historic side in, in European competitions in the Champions League. He's having a fantastic season. Yes, the team's not doing well, but for his age, what he's doing, one of the youngest ever captains in the Champions League, I think that deserves fantastic recognition. And don't get me wrong, yes, you know, you've got um, Xavier winning it for um, Barcelona, but with Xavier and Pedri, really been mentioned that much if they weren't at Barcelona? Is it this whole love affair of, because it's Barcelona, because it's a rebuilding process, they've got two or three kids coming through the academy, that they're getting so much more media attention and everything that comes with it. And look what happened the other day, JJ, in the sense of the El Clasico, putting on Drake's logo on their shirt. For what? Obviously, I know it's a financial payday for Barcelona. But again, for me, it goes to the whole celebrity culture that's creeping in to this award and it should be really more so about recognition of talent and what the players are doing and not just Jude Bellingham we've got to give Saka at Arsenal as well what he's doing at Arsenal he deserves a bit more greater recognition and I feel that if these two players were at Real Madrid or Barcelona they would have won that easy with no questions asked yeah, so now sticking with Barca, you've got Alexia Putella, second straight year. She wins the, the top women's prize, although she did miss this summer's Euros uh, with an ACL injury. Defending champion remained dominant with, uh, with Barca. She got 18 goals, 15 assists uh, to help uh, secure a third consecutive uh, Primera Division title. Uh, and that was also part of a domestic treble, which Putellas contributed 34 goals towards overall. But Barca lost out to Lyon in the Women's Champions League final, but the Spaniards still voted the best player in the tournament, top score with 11 goals as well. And internationally, she passed the 100 uh, cap mark as well, four goals from seven outings this year before her injury. Uh, Nigel, do you think there was ever any case for, um, you know, extra consideration to be made, uh, you know, at an international level, given the way that played out, certainly for the lionesses as well well i was going to ask you the same question i was going to say how do you feel jj you know being in france that leon won the champions league and do you feel it's fair that patelis won it again considering the other achievements we've seen not just with leon winning the champions league but also with a, the dominating uh, lionesses winning the european championships how do you feel about her winning the award yeah, I mean, I think that's a, that's a fair point. I mean, I think you can break it down and sort of look at her individual role in it overall. You know, she has chipped in, you know, quite a significant amount. Uh, I mean, obviously, uh, it's, it's very difficult to sort of factor in the international aspect when there's a tournament as big as the Euros, I think. When you look at that sort of 34 goals towards a domestic treble uh, and then uh, 11 goals as well in that Champions League run, I mean, I don't think it's a flimsy case, uh, you know, but I do think that there could have been extra consideration. I, I'm perhaps more alarmed at the fact that you look at that sort of, uh, you know, top 10 uh, for, the, for the women's Ballon d'Or. And I think you have to get down to about seventh before you start seeing any Leon names. I think that's 
a bit of a nonsense to be quite honest uh you know given that they're they're european champions but anyway we'll move on from one barca uh you know goal scoring hero heroine to another uh you've got two years uh in a row now for Lewandowski winning what's called the Gerd Muller Award this year for the best goal scorer for club and country. Uh, you know, he's got the 100% win rate uh, taking on those two maiden titles, 59 competitive goals, 10 assists in his final season with Bayern, 13 of those coming in the Champions League as well, 35 scored in the German Bundesliga. You know, add in uh, one of the two goals that qualified Poland for the World Cup in Qatar ahead of Sweden. It's been another strong year for, for Lewandowski. Obviously had that big move to Barca midway through it as well. Uh, you know, how, how do you feel about this kind of award? Um, you know, obviously a large bulk of those goals coming in the Bundesliga. Uh, I know there's a lot of people who, you know, detract from the league, say it's, you know, perhaps, you know, the scoring should be done a, a bit differently or graded a bit differently. But then you look at Lewandowski's record in the Champions League and it's, you know, a second only really to Benzema uh, this season. Do you think it's, uh, it's justified Lewandowski getting this, uh, this title or do you feel it's almost kind of compensating him again for that missed title in 2020 when he arguably had the ceremony gone ahead would have probably won it? It's, it's a tough one, JJ. I think that you're right in that one that he probably would have got it if the ceremony went on in 2020. But again, yes, different leagues are different standards of competitiveness. But at the same time, if people want to criticise Lewandowski for getting so many goals in the German league, but like you just said there, his record in the Champions League is fantastic. And just to look on the other side of the coin of that one, you look at Erling Haaland, where people, he left the German league to go to the Premier League. And right now he's lighting up the Premier League. So I think it goes to show that where there are players with actual ability like that, no matter what league they play in, they will score goals. Because Haaland, what he's doing now in the Premier League is something that's surprising a tremendous amount of people. They expected him to be successful, but not this successful so early on. And it's only just started the league and he's going to get so many goals. So again, on the other hand, you look at what Lewandowski was doing there. And also the fact that he was doing it in the Champions League is very hard to argue against him winning this award. That's just my honest opinion. I feel like you said as well, it's a shame it never happened in 2020 because he definitely deserved to be World Player of the Year then. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that you bring Haaland into the mix because I've got a question to put to you now. Uh, you know, we've been sort of discussing the importance of having both success for club and country, uh, you know, contributing towards your ability to win this award. Now, Haaland... He's somebody who's absolutely banging in the goals in the Premier League, but he plays for a team, an international team in Norway who struggle to qualify for these international tournaments. Do you feel like he is going to be forever, um, you know, sort of limited to only being able to target this sort of goal scoring award as opposed to sort of the Ballon d'Or overall? Or do you think it's something where, you know, perhaps that bias uh, that you were mentioning earlier towards some of the big clubs might play in his favour, depending on what Man City win in the future? Well, he's got a few different things, options there, JJ. I feel that he has to <laughs> concentrate on the goal scoring. Yes, he could probably end up getting the, the say, the Dirk Muller award like Lewandowski does. Or for him to get the Ballon d'Or, he's going to have to be the top goal scorer in the Champions League, top goal, goal scorer in the Premier League. And then Manchester City are going to have to win the Champions League for him to win that. That's what it's going to take. That's the reality of it. For any player generally playing in the English Premier League, I think Ronaldo was the last, 2008. And before that, it was Michael Owen, as I've been informed by our great producer, Dez, <laughs> who's a bit disappointed that no Atletico Madrid players made any kind of uh, 
noise in this year's competition. No surprise, because they're absolutely cack. Ain't that right, Des? But anyway, <laughs> um, Ronaldo won it in 2008. And what happened that year? Manchester United won the Champions League against Chelsea. So that's what it has to be. It really has to be that he's the top goal scorer in the league. Champions League and Manchester United have to be Manchester City have to be crowned Champions League winners. So it, it, it's very difficult. Honestly, I can't see it being like that. And again, it goes to what we just slightly spoke about. It's also the politicking of these presidents of Barcelona and Real Madrid. They seem to kind of have it now. Unless you're playing for Barcelona or Real Madrid, you're not going to be recognised for the Ballon d'Or. And that's what's starting to make it a bit more sickening in my opinion you know it, it's got the glitz and glam come to it now there's probably more glitz and glam about the Ballon d'Or than there is the Met Gala in New York so um I think it's well slowly- I tell you what you've you've definitely got a Met a wardrobe that's ready for an invitation <laughs> to the Met Gala oh yeah I, I'm waiting for my invite Met Gala don't worry I've got some some shakes I can pull out but yeah it, it, I think that's the worrying thing JJ when you look at it I think that's the scary thing about the Ballon d'Or now. It is becoming too much of a bit of a popularity contest. And if you're not in the the fancy clubs, it's very difficult to make an argument. I want to throw a question back to you. What's your thoughts on Saudi Mane's comments on the lack of recognition for African players? When you look back at some of the greats that have played the game in the seasons that they've had and not getting no recognition for the Ballon d'Or, do you think it's valid? I mean, I, I, I do. Uh, I do think that, that he has a valid point. I think as well, Benzema's success this evening will be held up, uh, you know, sort of as a success for Africa in a way, uh, you know, given oh, JJ, uh, Algeria's... JJ, I love you, but let's not go there. It's going to be... No, I know, I know it's... I know it's a, I, no, but I know it's a it's a controversial topic. But I think that there are certain certain quarters who will sort of hold that up as uh, you know something of, a, of of an African success. But I'm not saying that that you know should be considered uh, enough. You know, I think that that Mane definitely has a point. I mean, you look at the award that he picked up tonight. I'm glad that you sort of led me into that final uh, award to to read out. So you've got him winning the inaugural Socrates Trophy, and that basically rewards players involved in humanitarian efforts. Now. Mane, Senegal International obviously won the, the Africa Cup of Nations uh, with Senegal, could have won the Champions League with Liverpool as well, didn't. And as Nigel rightly pointed out earlier, perhaps that denied him the ability to, to compete with Benzema. But where he was head and shoulders uh, above everyone, at least in the voting this year, was for uh, sort of the contribution towards development in his home country of Senegal, where he's contributed towards building schools, hospitals, notably in his hometown of uh, Bambali. And I do think that, you know, for a long time, sort of, you know, players from Africa have have been sort of, you know, growing up to, uh, you know, almost consider that George Weah uh, and that success of his in the 90s was, was kind of a one-off event. Um, you know, and I think that there are, uh, you know, African players who have, uh, you know, deserved maybe greater consideration uh, over the last couple of years. And, you know, hopefully that will change. And, you know, I know it's early days and we don't want to judge Mane's time with Bayern Munich too too hard at the moment, but he's still only 30. You know, he still potentially has the the ability to maybe challenge for the for the for an award in the same way that Lewandowski did a couple of years ago before the event got cancelled. So, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, it's not a reason to, to end all hope. But uh, yeah, I do I do agree with his point, and you know I think it was uh, it, it was right to be pointed out. So hopefully there is going to be greater consideration for for players of African origin in the future. But how do how do you feel about it? 
I think he's right. I think he's got a valid point. I think we've seen some greats play this game before in the likes of Etu and Yaya Toure when he was at the top and it was hard for them to get the real recognition. What I look at now and this conversation I think I've had with yourself and James as well is you get worried now because of what Haaland is doing that every year now, is it going to be Haaland versus Mbappe for the World Player of the Year? And again, is it more about what they're doing overall as a football player, what we've seen on the pitch? Is it the wow factor of that, the wow aspect? Or is it going to be about stats and numbers and goals and assists and the, the clean image and stuff like that? You know, for me, JJ, I look at the world's best player. I think you look at, for me, you look at what Ronaldinho was doing. That was the wow factor for me because I've never seen any other footballer with the most natural ability like Ronaldinho. The closest thing is obviously Neymar. Um, and obviously he's even struggled to... to, to kind of get real deep recognition for that competition since the Ronaldo and Messi rivalry happened for so many years. So um, you do worry about it because of that's the way society is heading. That's the way football is heading. So it's more of a popularity contest and you just want people to be putting out names out there. And it's people like us and other people making um, people aware of other great talent that's out there that's not in this, uh, how do I describe it? In this luxury bubble of superstars that there's actually great players out there well the common thread obviously between Ronaldinho and Neymar is enjoying an extended period of the Parisian nightlife contributing towards them being absolute ballers on the pitch but True. I, I'm, yeah. I am going <laughs> to I'm going to dictate what our final thoughts are because I'm glad that you brought up Mbappe Mbappe goes home empty-handed tonight no consideration uh, you know sort of not in the shake-up at the very top for the the Ballon d'Or uh, you know obviously too old to be considered a prospect anymore didn't even get the nod for for the Socrates award what what do you make of that do you think it's perhaps a message being sent uh, you know to Mbappe to to not be considered in this uh, you know for those kind of prizes you know something to try and motivate him to do a bit better next year because obviously at the end of the day this is a France-based award and you'd think that they perhaps would find some way to, you know, recognize, uh, you know, one of the leading talents, uh, you know, from their, from their country, especially with something like the Socrates trophy. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, a lot of what we've spoken about with Kylian Mbappe over the last year or so, certainly last season was not, uh, it was, you know, was not all positive. So, you know, I think in many ways it's, it's justified that he wasn't sort of given an award just because he's Kylian Mbappe, don't you? For, for sure. It's a reality check and it's it's a back to reality for him. And I feel that a lot of these, there's no smoke without fire, JJ. So I think a lot of these stories we've seen about him or what's been coming out there about him, there's something there. And I think a lot of people know that. A lot of people maybe who are close to people in his inner circle know what he's about. And that is definitely a reality check. It's a bit of a punch in the gut for him, really, for what he's done and how much of a good player he truly is. Not to even get the recognition to be there. But it, it's like you said, it's about getting your head down and focusing now. You know, stop the sulking. But I'm sure it's probably got enough people around him to make him feel comfort and comfortable. And his PR team will find a way to, to spin this around. Yeah, as Rafa is saying there, he looked like a, a petulant teenager uh, sat yeah. next to uh, Trinity Rodman at the, the awards ceremony. So we will see how Kylian Mbappe uh, manages to turn it around. Nigel, thanks so much for joining me to break down the Ballon d'Or award. Guys, thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks for listening to us here. Please take a minute to leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere you listen to podcasts. We're also available as video, unfortunately, for Nigel Riococo. So yeah. subscribe. Until next time, guys, it's goodbye. Thanks for tuning in.